What do you get when you combine the most exciting young team in the league, a passion for the Big Easy and a rural West Aussie? That's right, the Pelicans Scoop, Hoopball's very own Pelicans podcast. See, I am very excited to see how they proceed. You know, you've got a point guard, you've got a small forward, you've got a power forward who looks like to be an absolute beast. You keep those guys together, then you've got Josh Hart off the bench who is heart and soul of the team. I've said that a couple of times on here. It's my favourite part. Join me, Lyle Swithenbank, as we cruise down the Mississippi chatting all things Pel. We run through the full alphabet from B through to ZW. B.I. wants to be the man and should be the man. Give him the ball. He looks like a stud. So what are you waiting for? Join us at Hoopball Pills on Twitter and subscribe to the show everywhere podcasts are found. Come on, let's go spin some yarns. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Friday, everybody. You made it almost to the weekend. This, of course, will be an episode that carries you through the weekend. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation, and I'm your host, Dan Vespris. We continue our survey of the Resumption League draft board today. That'll get us through the weekend. We finished off on Wednesday's show by completing... Uh, what at the time ended up being effectively a top 20. We had analyzed, I believe, the top 30 of the actual draft board, basically the actual results from the regular season. But six of those players are either not there uh, or out. And then another three, I think, we took out of the list. And then there was one that was questionable in there, if I'm not mistaken. And that left us with our top 20. So we're going to be continuing that here momentarily you can follow me on twitter at dan bespris d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s want to welcome everybody who's tuning back into nba as we are now under the four week mark i say again under the four week mark until basketball returns i've had a lot of people ask me if i actually think it's going to happen and i actually do even though I think uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta said something like he thought that this was potentially going to be the hardest sport to bring back. But at the same time, I also believe this sport has taken the most precautions of any of them, kind of understanding because it's a sport where everybody is in constant contact. We should get sponsored by them, I guess. That it's the hardest one to prevent disease from spreading, but that's why they're trying to be so cautious with the bubble. We talked way too much, way too much on yesterday's pod about the uh, actual number of positive tests versus the number of, bleh, you know, whatever else was the, the total number. And then there was the staff number. All that matters now is these tests happened last week, uh, even a little bit before that. It was the beginning of last week through the beginning of this week. Now that we've got all of our results, the NBA can place the proper players in isolation or quarantine. Folks that have symptoms obviously will have to wait until their fevers subside, and then they're looking for two negative tests before they bring them into the bubble. Everybody else can start their uh, in-city training camps, and hopefully, I I imagine they'll all be tested again before actually going to Orlando. The part that I think everybody's really concerned about is that Florida has a ton of cases right now, and they do. It's not pretty out there. But hopefully, where this is happening doesn't have that huge of an impact on things. It'll have some, 
Make no mistake, because there will be staff coming in from the surrounding areas, but the main, the core people, the 35 people per team, which again, 22 teams, 35, you're in the neighborhood of what? Is that 770? So those main 770 should all be 100% healthy when they get into the bubble. And then it's about making sure we, you know, everybody's getting tested every single day. So they should be able to put a lid on things if anything pops up. Baseball. Today, the uh, weird little spring training, whatever you want to call it, the 60-player team spring trainings are starting today. I don't know if that's much of that, if any, is going to be televised, but Hell, I, I'll put it on my damn TV. This would be great background noise today. He said, while also simultaneously being fully aware that I am probably your background noise right now. Oops. Uh, a couple quick notes here before we dive into the fantasy stuff. Uh, hit me up if you guys want to be a part of our DFS, our gambling, or our sales teams. Those products right now, the the the... I don't want to say the product because that's probably not the right word for it. But those units, those offerings are being decided upon with some measure of finality. And so we kind of want to know if, say, someone else wants to be a part of it. That might change what we can actually do. Manpower is a big deal. So hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you're new to the show, give me a follow. If you are old to the show and just thinking now, finally, you want to get involved with us here on the hoopball side, another reason to shoot me a line. You can also email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. This show, of course, brought to you by our friends at manscaped.com and the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get over at manscaped.com with the promo code hoopball20. Again, the page is manscaped. It's the past tense, manscaped.com. Promo code HoopBall20 for 20% off and free shipping on your order. We need you. We need you. I say it again. We need you. This is a really big deal for us. Uh, I'm probably going to go get one, actually. I'm going to use the promo code, get my discount. And I suggest you do the same because I actually have the old iteration of the lawnmower. And I want the one with the damn light built in so I don't have to open all the windows while I'm shaving my face or neck or whatever it is that I'm working on out here. It just looks ridiculous. It's too dark in here. Too dark in my home. Too darn dark. Uh, again, that promo code is HoopBall20. Please do check them out. This is would mean the world to me, would mean the world to us here at HoopBall. Let's dive on in. Let's dive on in. For those that were not listening earlier this week, we'll catch you up here quickly. The top 20 of our resumption draft board right now is starting, and I'll do them in chunks of five, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard. Don't ask me about the reasoning on why these guys are in the top 20 right now. We went through that on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday? Blip. Am I getting that right? Anyway, number six, Jason Tatum, then Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, and Bradley Beal. Uh, we may end up adjusting that depending on how news comes out. Obviously, if he decides he's not going, that changes things considerably. If we get word that he's going to be on a strict minutes limit, that too would play into it. Vooch at 11, Porzingis at 12, Doncic at 13, Joel Embiid and Paul George 14 and 15, Kyle Lowry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Middleton, and Freddie Van Vliet are the top 
uh, 20 so far. By the way, I should note that we still reserve the right to slot more people in, which would bump names down the list. This is only our top 20 because we've only analyzed the top 30 from the actual NBA conclusion. We got as far as Paul George. That was the last name we covered. The question is, could any of these guys potentially jump someone like uh, Freddie Van Fleet, who was, again, at the bottom of our uh, current list, or a Chris Middleton? The answer is probably not, but you just don't know for sure. So let's continue working where we were going. Uh, number 31 on the original list was Steph Curry, so you can go ahead and pull him off the board. Number 32 was Devin Booker during the regular season. Devin Booker played 36 minutes per game this year. That ain't happening in the bubble for a Suns team that has basically zero chance of actually making it. And now, I have different feelings on Devin Booker than I do on DeAndre Ayton. When we talked about Aiden a couple days ago, I mentioned that I thought there was actually a chance he might really just play through the eight games, even though the Suns have nothing to play for, because Aiden hasn't played much this year. He played only 30 games between suspension and injury and was having a really nice fantasy season, but by all accounts, kind of an incomplete one. So I do think that he feels like he probably has something to prove. Just getting out on a court, I think, is going to be good. I, you know, all eight maybe is a stretch. But with Devin Booker, he was actually having legitimately his first truly healthy year at 62 games played this season. Good percentages, fading a bit as the year went on. 26 points, four boards, six and a half assists. Turnover still too high at four. Uh, no steals or blocks to speak of. But again, the, the percentage is kind of helping float his stuff. And with the field goal percent, he's, he's moved a bit more into my good graces than in seasons past. That said, I, I don't think that you can move him in front of of anybody that we have on our list so far. I think that I would rather have most of the guys that sit in front of him. The only two that become possibilities are the last two guys on our list in Middleton and Freddie Van Vliet. You could make a potential argument if you thought Booker was going to get 30 minutes and play in six or seven of the games that maybe you push him just barely in front of Middleton, who probably won't play all that much and so when it when push comes to shove, it's weird to say that Booker might actually be the safer pick among those dudes. But just knowing there's at least a chance he could give you most of the games he's supposed to play. Where with Middleton, the lead that they have in that Eastern Conference is so gigantic. You almost there's almost no way to visualize him playing in more than about four or five games at full tilt, and then maybe what partial game, a couple others, maybe you take one or two off in there and get themselves ready for the playoffs. Booker, we, you know, we heard yesterday from Monty Williams and from the, the Suns front office that he and Ricky Rubio in particular probably won't be playing full games. And so these guys, I'll put them all in a grouping together. I don't think Freddie Van Vliet plays the entire eight-game stretch either. I also know from the regular season he was more like a top 40 type of guy when that team was completely healthy. So let's leave those three guys grouped for now and we reserve the right to kind of shift them and massage them around a little bit. Rashawn Holmes was number 33 during the regular season at 29 minutes a game. Unfortunately, as much as we love Rashawn Holmes, that team is now fully healthy. So, yeah, you know where we're going with this. You shouldn't draft him at 22. Sorry. It shouldn't happen. He should fall. Marvin Bagley is back. Uh, he basically didn't play. 
Rashawn Holmes definitely carved himself out a role, but he's going to be someone that we slot in a little bit later on as we put this thing together. One thing we should also do in between every three or four or five, ten picks, whatever it is, is look at our list of guys we pulled out of the top grouping and find out if any of them deserve to be re-slotted. Those players are Hassan Whiteside. The answer is no. Not ready to put him back in. Jonathan Isaac, he becomes, I mean, we'll slot him in real high if we find out he's going to play. Brandon Ingram, who I don't think we're ready to get that far yet. And then Rashawn Holmes, who we just put on the, uh, the wait list. We'll call it the wait list for now. Ben Simmons at number 34 is the next man on the list and is someone who generally fades Ben Simmons during the regular season because I think he gets overdrafted. I think this is actually a spot where he could be uh, relatively accurately drafted, perhaps even a tiny bit underdrafted because we got the green light from Brett Brown on his health. He was having a great season with 17, 8, and 8 with two steals. Don't care about the fact that he doesn't hit any three-pointers. You can make up for those elsewhere. Great field goal percent, horrible free throw percent, high turnovers. But again, we're in this short sprint of a makeup session here. Eight games. You know, what if he has a good eight-game free throw shooting stretch? What if he shoots 71% from the line for eight games? What if he shoots 52% from the line for eight games? There's a lot of volatility there. And so... Again, I, I know these are some of my favorite categories during a normal roto season, but we have to dial back the importance of the percentages for this because you just don't know if they're going to even out, if they're going to level off. You can't bank on that in only eight games. So I like Ben Simmons. I think the Sixers are going to play most of their games. I bet he goes in seven out of the eight, and I'm actually inclined to give him an ever-so-slight bump. I would consider taking Simmons ahead of of Booker, Middleton, and Van Fleet, the way we sit right now, because I just think he's going to play more during this resumption season than those guys we just mentioned. So I've got Simmons slotted in at number 19 right now, which pushes Booker back to 20, Middleton to 21, and Freddie Van Fleet to 22. And this is what we were talking about. We reserved the right to slot some of these guys in. Number 35 on the original list was Pascal Siakam, who, by the way, again, Worth, worth mentioning every once in a while that as we're doing these averages, Pascal Siakam at 35 would be more like 26 as we remove names from the list, right? So continue to keep this in the back of your mind. But he was 35 before. Right now we've got our top 22 slotted in. And the question is, where do we throw someone like Siakam? Well, this comes back again to how many games do we think the Raptors are going to play during this resumption campaign. I'm inclined to say that I think Siakam probably plays like about a top 25 guy in the resumption. You know, top 30, top 35, normal season type of guy. Uh, I think like Freddie Van Fleet, you're probably looking at um, six games at full bore and then maybe one halfer and probably one game off, which puts him most likely right around the average for most of these guys, and so with that in mind, I think I might consider slotting him just in front of Freddie Van Fleet because Siakam's value is less tied to the other dudes that are healthy on that team than uh, Van Fleet's are, meaning I'll just group my Raptors at 22 and 23, and you can put them, frankly, in whatever order you prefer there. Let's keep rumbling. The original list behind Siakam was Rudy Gobert, who we heard still does not feel 100% healthy from COVID. That's all I need to hear. 
He is not making my list at this juncture. I will put Gobert down in the group of guys that I'm looking to slot in at a later spot. I'm not taking a chance on a guy who's sucking wind in a resumption campaign and might not have the opportunity to ramp up during this weird little training camp. It's too much to risk. His value is tied into rebounding and blocks, and if somebody's not fully healthy, we know, we know how their defensive stats can suffer. Russell Westbrook was number 37 during the regular season, and frankly, I'm fine with just dropping him in where we find him here. He had a good regular season. His efficiency was excellent. Uh, Houston is running this small ball lineup, so I don't see any reason for things to change dramatically for him. He will likely miss a game for rest purposes, but that's probably about it. They're a relatively predictable club, and so that puts Westbrook at 24. Easy peasy. That's an easy one. I like the ones we don't have to think about very much. Uh, behind Russell Westbrook, as we continue, is Drew Holiday at number 38. Another guy who I think we can very easily just sort of plop in where he was. Although, it's worth noting, the Pelicans do have that egg at the top of a hot tin roof thing going on here. Where uh, it could fall in either direction. If the Pelicans win a few games coming out of the shoot, you got to imagine they're going to be going full bore to try to get into that a play-in situation. If they lose the first few and fall behind Blazers, Kings, whoever it might be, you might see Drew Holiday, the one of the veterans on that team, along with, you'd, you'd venture to say, Derek Favors and J.J. Redick, those guys could pack it in a few games early. So that's why I'm not bumping him up the chart. I think there's an opportunity for him to potentially go higher if the Pelicans are playing well he would end up having to play in all eight games. That gives him a big potential jump. He could leap past, I mean, basically everybody up until Ben Simmons. Like, you could see Drew Holiday here anywhere between about 19 and 25 on our resumption draft board. Uh, but for now, I'm going to put him at 25. I think we'll go back and we'll, we'll make some little tweaks later on. I'm going to assume... Well, you know what? Let's let's do a little bit of deep-sea diving here on this thing. So New Orleans Pelicans, we know that they have one of the easier schedules of this resumption season. Everybody's made a big stink about it, but frankly, they had one of the easier schedules before the resumption. So it's sort of only fair that that's the way it worked out anyway. And nobody has it that easy, right? Because the, the teams that are all here are the 22 best teams of 30. They wiped out the eight worst teams. So... The Pels have the Jazz to start things off on July 30th. Two days later, they are in <laughs> in Los Angeles to play the Clippers. Uh, then they've got the Grizzlies in a game that you know is going to be a big one for them. The Kings, another team nearby. The Wizards, the worst team in the bunch. The Spurs, who are basically cooked. The Kings again. And then the Magic. So if they can get through the Jazz and Clippers, maybe splitting a pair... I think you'll see things take off pretty good. Now, for the Pels, things could go the other way. If they lose their first three, it's a possibility, right in time for them to get to what you might call, well, hell. I mean, the two first games are the ones you can definitely call the harder ones, and then the last six are in this climate. Those are the easy ones, because every single one of those teams is uh, sub-500. So two above, six below. Still... They might lose their first two, and the Grizzlies could just sort of inch away from them. You know, it, it's impossible to know for sure because we don't know how this stuff is going to play out. 
What I think might happen, and we should look at uh, the Memphis Grizzlies schedule as well because we know theirs has been rumored to be more difficult. They have the Blazers, the Spurs, so I would say their schedule actually starts a lot easier and then gets harder. Then they've got the Pels chasing them, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Bucks. Their schedule ramps up as the resumption campaign rolls along. So this could go, as we mentioned, two different ways. The egg at the precipice here. If the Pelicans lose two and the Grizzlies win two to start this resumption, suddenly New Orleans finds themselves in a really difficult spot, even though they know that from that point on, that's their best opportunity to gain ground. But, you know, how, how well can they hang on in this weird scenario? In all likelihood, you probably get about an average number of games out of Drew Holiday. The average between things going south quickly and things going well all the way to the end is somewhere in between. I'm strongly considering moving him up uh, three, four slots on my draft board, but for now we're just going to leave him at 25, and we'll make a note to reassess that spot later. Rob Covington was number 39 during the regular season, and I will happily bump him higher than that. Houston never rests anyone, so worst-case scenario, I think, for Rob is he rests one of these eight games. I would put him right next to Devin Booker, either before or behind him. I have no problem with bumping him up the list here. Uh, I love what he was doing in Houston. He was a defensive stat lunatic. The fact that there isn't a ton of question mark around how much he's actually going to play during the resumption makes him a really safe bet. So I'm going to put him behind Ben Simmons and in front of Devin Booker. Yeah, you heard that right. There's just too much uncertainty with whether or not Book might play only four or five games. This is going to bump everybody else down the list one slot, and now you guys know, but you already knew. I love Rob Covington, and I love him even more with the Rockets. Bam Adebayo was number 40. Yeah, I mean, they'd have to pay him to get off the court. But at the same time, you know, his per-game situation was a lot lower than some of these other guys we're talking about. So can I make an argument to put him up there with a Covington, with a Booker, ahead of Drew Holiday, Russell Westbrook, Freddie Van Fleet? Do I really think Adebayo is, like the regular season, just going to try to play in every single ballgame? I'm inclined to say the answer is probably. I think Bam likely takes a certain amount of pride in playing in every basketball game, even if they make him, they they dial him back to a slightly lower number of minutes during this resumption, like maybe they don't need to play him the entire time. And for the Heat, they're in a weird little pocket here in the four seed where they're probably not going to catch the Celtics, but I guess there's an outside shot. And they're going to end up playing either the Pacers or the Sixers in some capacity. And since there's no home court, you know, you're just you're just juggling teams at that point. So their incentive to play in all eight games and to win all eight games is not that great unless they think they can catch the Celtics. And even then, they're still probably looking at some weird, uh, odd grouping of uh, Pacers and 76ers in that bunch and, and then potentially the Celtics as well. The only argument you could make for the Heat is do they want to get out of the uh, the one four five eight half of the Eastern Conference bracket? How badly would they want to slide down to the six or move up to the three and get into the Raptors-Celtics upper division part as opposed to right now they're in the Bucks upper division part? Okay, Do they want to pass the Celtics and deal with the Raptors in the second round if they get there? 
or do they really not not care that much? I think Bam is going to play. He's a maniac. He loves playing. He's just going to be out there. And so even though his per-game numbers are lower, I'm going to put him up there uh, right behind Devin Booker and in front of... Uh, yeah, I'm going to put him in front of Chris Middleton. I know that seems insane, but uh, you know the, the idea of getting those extra games is just too valuable to me. Middleton, much better on a per-game basis this year, but might, again, only play five games... And Adebayo playing seven or eight, that's more than enough to make up that difference. Difference between 22 and 40 on this list is uh, the same as between 22 and tw- and 13. So the difference between each player is basically doubled as you work your way up the chart. It's why I'm more willing to rearrange guys for this process. By the way, it's also worth noting... We've got a pretty long stretch here without coming across a guy that's not attending. We had Steph Curry right when we started this discussion, and then now we've knocked out nine guys in a row that are all going to be there. Interesting, right? Let's go a little bit farther on today's podcast. It's a nice weekend edition. We'll give you guys an extra chunk and uh, do another 10 here. Zach Levine. Okay, there's one. Not going. Take him off the list. Take him off the list. And you know what? We hit the end of a group of 10 here, so let's look back at our uh, guys that we took off the original list and find out if any of them belong yet. You could make an argument, I think, for Brandon Ingram around this point. He's getting close to deserving move back, to, to deserving to be back on our list. You know, the next couple of names on the original chart are Kemba Walker, DeMar DeRozan, Gordon Hayward, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um... These are guys that are probably still a hair better than Ingram during this resumption campaign. But take note, he's he's coming, and so is Gobert, relatively soon. So let's get ready to slot those guys back in. Not yet, though. Kemba Walker, he said he's healthy. I think he's an actual value here. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to get him at the 28 spot where he's ending up on our draft board, and I'd be considering moving him as high as 24. 23 or 24. Uh, I think he's going to be a lot better than he was during the regular season. I don't know if he's going to be all the way back where he was in previous campaigns, which was just inside the top 20. But again, even if you're looking at a top 30 type of run, you knock out those 27% of teams, and that puts him in the low 20s. He also, in my opinion, likely gets a bump, uh, probably playing, I would think, seven. I would think seven. Of these eight games, I don't see any reason why they would rest him more than one healthy DNP, uh, which probably puts him in the same general bucket as Siakam, uh, Westbrook. And honestly, I think I like Kemba more than I like Westbrook. So I'm going to put Kemba in front of Freddie Van Fleet at 25. So Kemba gets a little bit of a bump. And the more I look at Chris Middleton, the more I consider dropping him down. But I'll, you know, we'll leave him for now. And and maybe we make that tweak later on. So that now uh, brings us, puts Drew Holiday back one spot to 28. And we may have to move him higher when this is all done as well. Next neighbor on the list is DeMar DeRozan. And uh, I don't, I see no way that that dude actually plays through this resumption campaign. I, I've talked extensively on this podcast that I'm I'm fully floored and baffled that he's even going to Orlando. There's no reason. Spurs have no shot with LaMarcus Aldridge out with surgery. No shot. 
That team has all the makings of a club that's going to turn to their youngsters early in this process, and for that, I don't think I'm going to draft DeMar DeRozan, so just take him off my list for now. We'll put him on the waiting list, but he better get comfortable. Gordon Hayward finished the regular season at number 44. I think, uh, you know, I see no reason to move him off that spot too much. Even if he slides back a little, if his percentages aren't as good, he's going to play most of the resumption season, potentially all eight games, probably more like seven. So I'm going to just drop him in behind Drew Holiday for now. And if someone else comes along that we want to put in front of him, then maybe we do that. And perhaps this next guy is that exact dude, Shea Gilgis-Alexander who finished at 45 during the regular season and was ramping up and is on a team in Oklahoma City that currently sits in the five seed and I'm sure would prefer not... Ah, boy, you know, I look at what they're doing here. For the Thunder, I think the real key is staying out of the seven because they're going to have to go through a Western Conference juggernaut in the second round regardless. You're going to get the Lakers or the Clippers some way, somewhere along the road, most likely. Um, the only way that you prolong your look at this season is to make sure you don't have to deal with them in the first round. And so for the Thunder, I think as long as they're playing the Nuggets, the Jazz, or the Rockets in the first round, they're probably fine. But what they don't want to do is drop back a game and a half and let the Mavericks slide into that grouping and the Thunder fall back. Shea is young. He's healthy. He has the advantage of potentially playing in all eight of these games, and I'm going to give him a big bump. I'm going to move. I'm going to boost Shea Gilgis Alexander way up this list. I mean, he has all the making of someone who should play in all eight games, and every extra game you play at this point is like ten extra regular season games. So we have to be pretty aggressive, and I'm going to put him all the way up there, right behind Bam Adebayo. Shea gets a big boost here. You guys know I'm not usually one for buzzy guys, and Shea is definitely a buzzy one. But being able to play, to me, being expected to play in the entire resumption season is a huge advantage. Colossal. And that was one of the things for him during the regular season. You know, at 45, and you know we can make our, our standard adjustment here. 45, 12 slots would be the resumption adjustment. So that would take him to 33, and then if he's playing 10%, basically, 12%-ish more games than some of the other players around him on this list, that bumps him even farther up the chart. The regular season rankings is actually a really good barometer for this. Shea was 45 on a per-game basis, but was better than that by totals because he was healthy. He was actually 25 he was 25 by totals. He passed a bunch of guys. Luka Doncic he passed, who only played in 54 games. Kyle Lowry, LaMarcus Aldridge, Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday. He passed all of these guys, Pascal Siakam, because he played about 10 more games than those dudes. So it's actually not crazy at all to put him way up there at 23 because we expect him to play in a game more than someone like a Middleton or a Siakam or a Kemba or a, a Westbrook or a Drew. It's not crazy at all. I mean, you could even make an argument to raise him higher. Same with Bam Adebayo. Same with Rob Covington. Playing more games than everybody else is enormous. It's the biggest thing for this resumption. It's the biggest thing for drafting right now. All right, let's keep going. I want to try to get through... The hell were we here? Uh, I want to try to get through the top 
50. And then we can put a pin in things for the weekend. Maybe. Let's see how things are going. Uh, Demonis Sabonis finished the regular season at number 46. Indiana, similarly to Miami, is in that kind of grouping in the middle where almost nothing can change for them. So, um, other than pride, there isn't a giant reason to play their guys every single ball game. But at the same time, Sabonis has shown himself to be pretty darn durable. He's not a high flyer, so his injuries tend to be more of the getting banged up variety. So I would expect him to get a game off. Meaning, you probably slot him at about league average number of games played during this resumption season. And so I'm just going to drop him right at the end of our list right now, right behind Gordon Hayward at number 31. That, to me, is an easy one for now. Kelly Oubre Jr. is hurt. He's not traveling. Donovan Mitchell was number 48 during the regular season, and we've talked about Utah before and what they have to play for, which is, frankly, not a ton. A little, but not a ton. They're the four seed in the Western Conference, like many of those other middle grouping teams, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Rockets. They're going to have to deal with the Lakers, the Clippers at some point. Second round is the target right now. All they would like to do, I think, would be to avoid dropping all the way to the seventh seed. That feels like a bit of a long shot, given the Mavericks are two and a half games back with the Thunder and Rockets in between them. Getting in front of the Nuggets feels somewhat inconsequential, uh, unless the Jazz really feel like they'd rather have the Clippers in the second round than the Lakers. I don't, I don't know that that's a reason to push anyone too hard. Donovan Mitchell is exceedingly durable. He might just try to play in all eight games because he's Donovan Mitchell, but I think the Jazz would be wise to try to hold him back. Still, um, I do get the feeling that he's probably a safer bet to just do stuff, and because, uh, for instance, Gordon Hayward, a lot of his value this year was tied up in the fact that his percentages were outstanding, 50% from the field, 85 at the free throw line, and we're in this shortened campaign where it's all about the sprint, I think with Donovan Mitchell, you give him a little bit of a boost just because of usage. So I'm going to put him behind Drew Holiday here. He gets just the littlest, littlest bump, even though I think he's probably going to be around league average in games and slots him in front of Hayward and Demonis Sabonis. So just a little baby bump. Ha, baby bump for Donovan Mitchell. Jonas Valanciunas, captain of consistency, 62 games this year, number 49 overall, 15 and 11 with a block, great field goal percent, and an oddly low free throw percent, uh, but all of that seems eminently uh, replicatable. That doesn't sound right. Whatever. I think he'll be fine. He should be able to do basically what he was doing before, which if we put him at the end of our list, no big surprises. Maybe he plays all eight games. Um... If the Grizzlies get a little bit of breathing room, he probably gets one game off. If they don't, he actually could get in all eight. Um, so you could even make the argument that he should slot in behind Donovan Mitchell in front of Hayward and Sabonis. I'm going to do that because I love Jonas Valanciunas, but I want you guys to know if you want to put him behind Hayward and Sabonis, I have no real problem with you doing that. I think those three guys right now are probably all relatively well bunched. Um, I just think that with Valanciunas, you have a chance of him getting all eight games and uh, ten more games than the guy a, a couple spots in front of him is not insignificant. It's hard to compare because we can't just take those two guys and compare them. But basically, what you're looking at right here would be comparing Jonas Valanciunas to Kemba Walker during the regular season. He played 
And it's not entirely fair, um, but Kemba and, and Jonas were separated by, I believe, 12 games during this regular season. Kemba ended up at number 60, and Valanciunas ended up at number 29. So uh, it does swing pretty hard, and that's 12 games instead of 10, which I realize you know clouds things a little bit. Um, but an extra 10 games is a big deal. So we're going to go back through this list. Make no mistake, this is not a done deal. This is not a finished product. And make sure that we slot guys where we think they truly belong. Because, listen, if Jonas Valanciunas plays in all eight games, and let's say, let's look at some of the guys in front of him. Like, let's say Pascal Siakam plays in six, Valanciunas would have been the better fantasy asset. That's why we've got Shea and Bam so high. Let's do one more player here, uh, number 50 during the regular season, and then we'll do a quick survey of what we have so far before we wrap things up for the weekend. Number 50 was Danilo Gallinari. Um, you know, I, I, the, the expected rest day for him, I, I, would, I would look at seven, likely seven games for Gallo. Um, and so basically what we've got now is that if you're at seven games, I'm just going to slot you right in uh, to the end of the list right now. Um, what I want to do here before we put the the lid on today's podcast is, number one, let's look a bit at what we have so far. Let's look at the guys that we had on our wait list and see if any of them should have been dropped in by now. And then also, um, just a little bit on on how the guys ended up getting organized here. And, and because we're trying to do it one by one, it gets a little bit screwball, and, and that's why we'll make some adjustments going back a little bit later. But the guys, as you may recall, on the do we drop them in yet list, uh, Brandon Ingram, Rudy Gobert, I thought would be the first two on that on that chart. Um, with Gobert being potentially still a bit under the weather, I- I'm inclined actually to continue to let him fall. Uh, I think you let somebody else take the risk on that one, so I don't think I would drop him in yet. Question on Brandon Ingram, do you consider taking him before... Some of these guys towards the end of our main list right now, Gordon Hayward, Demonis Sabonis, Danilo Gallinari. And the answer, I think now, is we're starting to get pretty darn close. Uh, the next few names on the main list that we're not going to rank on today's podcast are guys like Tobias Harris, Jamal Murray, uh, Norm Powell, Mitchell Robinson, who's not going, Miles Turner. You know, even with Zion around, you could see Ingram performing pretty close to these guys. And then with the Pels, like we already said, there is a possibility he goes all eight games and so, you know, maybe that's a reason to give him an ever so slight uptick in his potential value. So I think we're, you know, five, six, seven, eight picks ago, when we were talking about maybe getting Ingram in. I said, ah, he's starting to get there. Now we're basically there. So I think what we can do is just for our purposes here, we're going to put Brandon Ingram at the end of our main list right now. We're going to take him off the wait list because he's close enough to where whatever we're about to do going forward, he should be in that mix. Do we put the next guy in front of or behind Gallo and Brandon Ingram? And frankly, I might go Ingram in front of Gallo, depending on your team needs at this point. Uh, but we can get into that on on a show early next week. The other thing I want to talk about is just looking at the list right now, look at how discombobulated some of the names are on this chart, largely because of how many games we expect them to play. Like, if you're in a 12-team resumption league, did you really think that, you know, in the middle of the second round, late second round, you were going to have to be going the Adebayo, 
Shea, Gilgis, Alexander route yet? Did you think that by the middle of the third round, you would have to be thinking Jonas Valanciunas, Gordon Hayward, end of the third round, you're looking at Demonis Sabonis, Ingram, Gallinari? No, that's why I thought this exercise, which I know is taking a while, but you don't build a draft board overnight, and certainly thinking through all of these things as we're doing them is uh, exceedingly relevant and useful. Overarching theme that I still want to be at the front of all of our minds is how fast these players are going to come up on you when you're in an actual draft. Slow draft, too. But, you know, some of the fun of doing this is a quick draft, so you have to make these wild decisions in 60 to 90 seconds, but don't be afraid to dramatically adjust your numbers based on expected games played. An extra game is huge. Think about it from this perspective. Think about your head-to-head weekly battle. I don't know. Maybe you can even pull up one of your leagues if it's if you still have access to it. Look at, like, I don't know. Uh, try to find a week where... Uh, maybe you can't. Can you pull this up still? I'm going to try to do it while we're talking, but I think Yahoo's finalized their league, so I'm not sure that... Um, I'm not sure that you can actually pull up what's happened every week. Yeah, maybe you still can't. Yeah, you can go back. So try to find a recent week in your head-to-head league where, you know, maybe there were a lot of games played. Everybody in your league had like 55, 60 games to to choose from. And, and look at the final tallies, okay? Because it's hard to visualize 80 games in your mind. It's hard to visualize, you know, how many points that should be in a Roto League or rebounds or assists or whatever it is. But you can do the math. We know what these things generally talk. We've talked about it from the blocks standpoint before, that basically you need uh, roughly .712 blocks or something like that uh, to win it, which is about 55, 56, 57 blocks. But we can do the same math for every statistical category. I happen to think it's easier if you just go find a head-to-head week you had where maybe your team registered 60 games played and you can already get an idea for it. Look at how close everything is bunched up. Look at how easily things can be decided. This is why when you think about the rankings, I mean, you know, just what we talked about, might take 57 blocks to win your Roto League here during the resumption campaign. You can bet your butt that there are going to be five, six teams probably all within five or six blocks of you. So if your top blocks guy plays eight games instead of seven, that might get you an extra one or two roto points. That's why we have to make these adjustments and why we have to do it with such aggression and ferocity the way that we never would during the regular season. You guys have come to embrace the Dan Bespris old man culture here on the podcast, but this resumption campaign is basically the opposite. We want the young guys with something to play for. Don't say I was never malleable. Don't say I was never willing to make adjustments depending on the league that I was playing in. We are about winning. During a normal fantasy draft, everyone is shiny object hunting, and we will fade them. During this draft, I honestly don't know what the hell everybody's going to be doing because this has never happened before. But what we're doing is we are attacking the durable, 
those with a reason to play in seven or more of these eight games. Because if you do that with your topmost picks, you will win. Thanks once more to Manscaped.com. Check them out. Coupon code again is HoopBall20. I am Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Hit me up if you want to join our DFS betting or sales teams here at HoopBall Sales. Uh, that team, obviously, you could uh, make yourself a little bit of coin. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll pick up on Monday right where we left off here at number 51 on the regular season board at number 36, basically. Although, again, folks can slot in earlier on our resumption draft board oh boy 27 days today by monday it'll be 24 let's see if we can go watch some baseball players messing around <laughs> that's the that's the goal of today uh again everybody have a great weekend i am dan Baspers. this is fantasy nba today a hoop ball hoop-ball.com and at hoop ball fantasy presentation we'll get at you next week so long everybody This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.